This is Disney Forever. Welcome to our perpetual Disney movie investigation podcast. I'm Void and I'm here with my co-host Katie, who has amazing pull quotes like this. They're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, they've got more facial hair. (laughs) I like that line. Uh, Today's feature presentation is D2, The Mighty Ducks from 1994. Katie, what's the deal with this one? Uh, Well, it is the sequel, obviously, to the original Mighty Ducks, except now they're not just the Ducks. They're Team USA. Yes, we're increasing the stakes here. Um, I like this movie. This is a fun movie. It's <laughs> I don't I don't even know. Well, okay, we got to get into it. So, um, the history on this one, uh, there wasn't a ton. There wasn't as much as I was hoping for, but there were a couple interesting tidbits. Um, in some countries, this movie was just called The Mighty Ducks because in those countries, the first film was not called The Mighty Ducks. The first film was called Champions. So depending on which territory you're looking in, if you search for the film called The Mighty Ducks, you might get the first one or the second one, which I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the uh, another thing that jumped out at me about this one was the final game in this movie. So um, I know I'm jumping way ahead, but it's like the final... Um, epic game that they do as team usa against iceland is the very first event that ever happened at the arrowhead pond in anaheim california so it's now called uh the honda center but it's basically it's like the first time that that ice was ever used for an actual event was for the filming of this movie. It was the very first thing they did in there. And because of that, because it was a new stadium that was local to a place that didn't have a huge ice stadium before, um, it drew a really good crowd. They got like 15,000 people there just because people wanted to see the new venue. But the thing that happened, and they knew this going into filming, that this would happen, but the crowds came and went and there was no like, they weren't paid to sit in their seats right they weren't paid to like stand there and fill the stands it was really like they were coming to check out the new venue and then like if they hung out for a little bit they could be in the background of a movie so the crowd scenes are completely and utterly inconsistent from shot to shot throughout that entire last game did you notice that um yes but also the level of disappointment i will always have in my family is that we were supposed to go to this (gasps) what okay tell me more before i go on so right the arrowhead pond was built in anaheim california because it was the home to the anaheim ducks right like yeah so we were supposed to go because we heard that they were filming and that people could go and be in the movie and obviously like my brother and i loved the first one so we definitely wanted to go and then we didn't and we were supposed to be like we were supposed to go and no be in the crowd and they'll forever be upset about that. <laughs> oh, you could have been in this one. I know. It's so upsetting because it's not like we we lived in. When did this movie came out? When? I forget. Uh, this was 1994. Yeah. So we lived in. Yeah. We were living like not far from Anaheim at the time. Uh, once in a lifetime shot. Yep. Yeah. And we shanked um, it. Well, just saying. yeah. Yeah. I guess don't feel too bad because they didn't actually have enough people for consistently filling the seats. So one of the other things I pulled here was that they actually had to use cardboard stand-ins to fill in a bunch of the crowd shots. Which just makes it even sadder that we didn't go because then we definitely would have been in the movie. Yeah, you would have been up front because that's where all the real people were. Um, Dang it. So this one, the critical reviews were almost all bad. The critics did not like this movie at all. They gave it horrible ratings. Dang. And my favorite part about this is that Usually the critics and the audiences are generally in the same ballpark. The audiences loved this movie. 
they absolutely loved it it got an a on the cinema score scale so if you guys don't know and i i haven't talked about it that much because usually critic and um audience alignment like they might be off by like you know kind of like a, a letter grade equivalent or so but it's rare to have them be diametrically opposed like this the critics absolutely hated it and panned this movie the audiences loved this movie and gave it like almost the highest rating you can get so the cinema score scale is what's used around the country they like pull random audiences as they're walking out having just complete completed like a movie and watched it and um that's what film studios use to understand like how an audience is reacting to a film and it's been around for such a long time that they have standards in place and you can basically use the data and just like um triangulate it against all the past data and really know how you're doing and so it's it's a letter grade scale right it's what you would expect you know a through f if you're in the american system of education like you and i were and the highest score you can get i believe is a plus this one got an a so it's not all the way 100 percent perfect but like an A on a cinema score scale is really, really, really good. Um, and I went into all that detail because the fact that audiences were giving it an A and all the critics hate it, just something about that makes me happy. This seems like the perfect movie for that to happen, you know? I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I could see like why the critics possibly didn't like it, but it's so fun and it's the perfect sequel to an already perfect franchise. <laughs> Yeah, it was really good. Um, it was also a solid financial success at the box office. It grossed $45 million, um, and it did well enough to get another sequel. So this turned into a trilogy after this, because we get D3, which I think is also just called D3, The Mighty Ducks, but it, you know, after D2, D3 is the next one on here. So high-level thoughts. What do you think about this one, Katie? Um, this is I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and it's still really good yeah um still love baby joshua jackson playing charlie he's so cute um but i love the addition of all the new characters that's like my favorite part i think about this is like you get all the same like the same people from before right but then they add all of these new characters which just like changes the dynamic between everyone but it makes it so much better Yep. And they all have like a superpower. Like every one of the new people has like one specific power like that they get to use and mm -hmm. they end up using it in the movie. Like Kevin Wu, who is a former uh, figure skater. Yeah. Or the guy that can skate faster than anybody else, but he can't stop. Luis you know, Mendoza. stuff like that. Yeah. From yeah. Miami, Florida. <laughs> I don't know why. And I the kid who has the knuckle puck shot, which I feel like every kid of our age would just like want to try to do the knuckle puck after that oh yeah i think people did that was the thing and like um i think my favorite character is Dwayne, the dude from texas he's so funny oh yeah yeah it's really good um for me i like this movie like it was so fun i liked it a lot and i forgot how fun this movie is like it's not like you said right critically if you're trying to be critical about it i guess you could pick it apart it wouldn't be that hard but like if you can just embrace how much fun they're having making this movie like it's just a joy to ride along and the thing is, like, I also forgot how good the soundtrack is, and I don't want to, like, I don't usually don't dwell on it, but just to run this down really quick, it's like, We Will Rock You, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, um, Rock and Roll, Mr. Big Stuff, there's, like, unique Mighty Ducks music, it's called the Mighty Ducks Suite, but all of that's really good, there's Woomp, there it is, Wild Thing, Zamboni, We Are the Champions, it's, like, it's so, so many, like, epic songs that are just tied to this movie in my head, um, and it's fantastic. They're, none of these songs I would ever listen to on their own because it's just not my era of music. But in the context of this movie, I absolutely love them. Oh, yeah. I think this is probably um, how 
most 90s kids, unless your parents were like super into movies, got introduced to Queen music was because of the Mighty yeah. Ducks. Yeah, it's really good. So moments, um, there's a lot, and I don't even know like which ones I want to call out here. We already kind of started, right? It's like the new players, they all have the special abilities. There's the knuckle puck. There's the former figure skater. There's the Texan who goes around roping people. Like, I don't know. There's just so many like fun, and I guess it's kind of dumb, but it's like dumb fun in the best kind of way. And yeah, I'm, what jumped out at you about this one? Um... I already said that everyone's back and the new characters are great. Um, I really enjoyed like the whole rollerblading scene, right? Where like, like Gordon Bombay is back and now he's going to be the coach of the new like junior team USA, right? And so Charlie, who's working at the the skate shop, right? He gets Charlie to like go out and he was like, the ducks are back. Let's get the team. And they like rollerblade like all over Minneapolis or whatever, or like a bunch of different places, um, oh my god <laughs> you know better oh my you... god so i'm sorry I no, have go to ahead go ahead go ahead so i live in the twin cities right yeah this film was shot in the twin cities it it is physically impossible for these kids to rollerblade between the locations they're in in the amount of time that it happens in this movie it's like implied that this happens over the course of a couple hours in one afternoon they're going to the Mall of America, which is a second ring suburb outside of Minneapolis to the south. And then they're going to a couple of the lakes that are in Minneapolis, but is in like a western suburb, like almost out of Minneapolis. And then there are parts where they're in downtown Minneapolis and there are parts where they're like in or near the Skyway. They're like they are all over the place, like to rollerblade between all of these places would take you Like if you're a kid going at kid speed, multiple days of like nonstop rollerblading. And um, even if you had a car, like the amount of different places they go, it would probably take up your whole day. And it was just so funny to me because like I recognize all the locations. I know exactly where these places are. And it it was implied that it was supposed to be like, you know, oh, we're going to go to the next kid. And it's like, you know, a five minute rollerblade away from us and you just poke your head in and it's just not even close to that at all. Not even close. That's probably the worst part about like living in the exact places or being in the put, like having been to the places where they film things sometimes because yeah. you just know it's not plausible. I watched a TV show where they were in Malibu. They ran down an alleyway and they were in Hollywood and I was like, that's physically impossible. <laughs> like yep. my mind was so warped. I was like, What? I was like, like, no, no, those are not like even in the same zip code. Like what is happening? Yeah. But yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It was just that really got to me because when I was a kid, I'm sure I just went, oh, cool. They're in my city because I kind of vaguely knew that they were shooting in the Twin Cities. But now as an adult, when I actually know these locations, I'm like, I'm just shaking my head at it the whole time. It's it's just really funny. I mean, they were like literally rollerblading like all over the place, getting all everyone back together. Yep. Um. So I love when they like introduce all the new players. Right. So they obviously like they hate each other because, you know, they're not the same team, obviously. But so they go through all those like teamwork exercises to work together. And it's just so yeah. funny. <laughs> like tying them all together was ridiculous. <laughs> Um, there's one thing though, one thing that I have a big complaint about, and it bothers me so much that they did not give Julie 
the cat Gaffrey from Maine, not enough ice time. Oh my god, yeah. No, I didn't realize that either until I rewatched it this time. I was like, she was so underused as a character, it felt like a waste. Like, she was just in it to be in it so that there would be another girl on the team, almost. That's what it felt like. Yeah. It felt like they were checking a box, right? And, like, she gets her one moment right at the end, but it felt like she should have been integrated into the whole story better. And, like, if you were to remake this movie now, I feel like she would have been. Yeah, and, like, they... Because, like, she even goes to Bombay, right, and asks if she ever is ever going to get to play. And he's like, Goldberg's on a winning streak. And I'm like, but is he... Is he? Right. Do we need Goldberg? No, we need Julie. Come on. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, the other part while we're on this, like that hasn't aged well, I thought for the most part, this movie aged pretty well. Mm-hmm. The one scene that didn't work for me and it, it's just like it didn't age well at all was the dress viewing scene when they went to the store. I feel like that is a pull from Pretty Woman, to be honest. Okay. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's a nod or something, but just, um, you know, it's the fact that it's like these underage kids that like kind of sneak their way in, talk their way in, and then they get a bunch of models to like model clothes for them. And it just felt, I don't know, kind of gross, like kind of weird. Like, I feel like that's another thing that if they were to remake this, it wouldn't make it in. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't linger, right? It's not a huge part of the movie. It's just one scene. But literally out of the whole movie, it's the only scene that didn't like work for me. Like they could have just... I mean, they were going for, like, the joke there, right? Because they took the Texan guy and they went to Rodeo Drive. And he was like, where are the, right. where are the horses? This is Rodeo Drive. And we're like, no, bro, it's Rodeo. Spelled the same, though. Just pronounced different because Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's what it felt like. It felt very, like, Pretty Woman-esque to a point because there's, like, that whole part where she's on Rodeo Drive, right? Um, I don't know. Because Pretty Woman came out not long before this so it would make sense yeah that's a good point i didn't even put that part together that's why i'm here for all of the other movie callbacks (laughs) (laughs) thank you for that you're welcome um anything else in here that jumped out to you i feel like i touched on a lot of it um i mean so remember in like the first one right like bombay is coming from this like super luxurious lifestyle as like a lawyer and then he like gets in trouble and then he realizes that being like more of a humble kind of lifestyle person is what he functions better as, right? Yeah. And then he literally gets caught up in that expensive lifestyle all over again and forgets what it means to be, like, the person that he became. Yeah, it's his downfall again. I was, like, typical. And he becomes Captain Blood, which I thought was really funny, what they were calling him. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and that does lead to a part that I like when they um, they have a it's, it's not their coach it's their tutor mm-hmm. and she gives them a day off from practice because he's being so like Captain Blood like you know he's being a jerk mm-hmm. like he's not a good coach in that moment so she gives them the day off and the kids end up going out and exploring but they end up just finding a game of street hockey and rollerblades with like local kids and kind of like re-inspires them to become Team USA and it, they teach them a bunch of like street tricks and it's so dumb but I also just love it. That's also where they learn about the knuckle puck and where they end up getting their last player and stuff. Um, so that part I liked. I love when the one dude's teaching um, Kevin like how to do the like if anybody ever comes to him and he was like yes stick gloves shirt and then he uses it like later in the game and the guy's like I taught him that. <laughs> yeah it's great 
it, and then i mean that kind of gets to the finals right it's like the finals versus iceland is the whole epic final game mm-hmm. um, which is it's good like they pull out all the tricks and they do all the fun things that you would expect like that's where you could have been you could have been in those shots katie ah be quiet <laughs> i'm just rubbing it in but yeah i mean of course like so the storyline for this movie is not too much different from the first one, right? Because instead of um, the Hawks, this time it's Iceland are the bunch of right. like bully bullies and stuff. And they're like bigger, better, more like facial hair, more facial hair, <laughs> um, more uh, like militarized almost in their training and stuff like that. So just a bunch of jerks. Right. But they all have great names, though. I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> there was a dude on that team named Olaf. Come on. They do have good names. I agree. Um, but yeah, we get the big epic battle right at the end of the movie. Right. The final like ducks versus Iceland. It's yeah. great. And the first period's kind of hockey. And then the second period just totally jumps the shark and they just go all out with like being the ducks and coming back out in a new jersey and you know it's like it's this ridiculous over the top stuff that wouldn't ever happen in an actual game but it's so fun that they just like embrace it and roll with it here um and all of them get to use their superpowers in like the second and the third periods and yeah it's just great i, I love that last the whole last game i was dying over the whole like when they when they change their shirts right when they're doing the and maybe this was like before when they do the whole like ducks fly together thing and yeah. they're all giving like different scenarios and Dwayne is like when the when the cows are spitting circles in the pasture and they're just like what oh uh, like, d- huh? ducks fly together <laughs> right um but yeah they get like because the new uniforms I think were the same uniforms that the actual team like the ducks were wearing the mighty ducks were wearing at that time which is I think probably you're right. why they did that whole thing part of it because it's like hey this movie's clearly sponsored <laughs> yeah. by this hockey team um but yeah now they're the usa ducks and i love the commentator guy right where he was like oh there's no rules that says that they can't switch uniforms in the middle <laughs> of the game but when they came out they were like what team is this i don't know oh it's the same team just in different uniforms we're like we're not idiots bro yeah they figured it out they got there like <laughs> um Come on. Oh, this one's fun. This is a good movie. So the bad and the good. Um, The bad, I didn't have much. It was mostly just like the shop scene and then a couple other things just didn't age quite well, right? Like the way they use Julie, a couple of the things around the structure. It's like, it's a 90s movie. It's not a modern movie. Um, But overall, like I didn't have much bad outside of that. Did you? No, I mean, it was just like a couple things didn't age well. Like it was clear that they added Julie as a character to like check a box. So like, oh, we have another girl. And like both of them didn't because they had Connie, right? But neither one of them got screen time, like very minimal screen time. They're just like, exactly. Check a box. They're like, oh, we have girls on the team. I think Miss McKay got more screen time than the two girls on the hockey team. I think you're right. That sounds correct. It's pretty awful. Yeah. But the good for this one, um, I like the soundtrack. Like I mentioned up top, the team coming together and, you know, rallying together to become their own team. And then all of the dumb trick plays and just seeing the movie when it like embraces the fun. I absolutely loved it. And I will say before we jump off this one, um, well, I'll save it for where, when would we watch it again? But okay. What did you like? What was the good for you? I love the team. Joshua Jackson. Ow. Sorry, I hit my hand on my mug. 
<laughs> um, so the team, Joshua Jackson is great as Charlie. And then I love um, all the new players is really good. I like when they have fun. The lasso scene was super great. Um, soundtrack is really good. Just like overall, without those couple of extra things that were just like not great. The movie still is still pretty good, even now. Yeah, I like it a lot. So would we watch it again? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I said absolutely as well. So this is where I have to say that I finished, um, I was watching this and Swiss Family Robinson uh, at the same time, or back to back, because we watch two movies at a time when we're recording. Here's your peek behind the scenes, right? I I usually try to pick the movie I think I'm going to like better and watch it second. And so I thought this would be the second movie, right? So I just finished Swiss Family Robinson. And spoiler alert for next week, I didn't like it very much. (laughs) Um, But I was like, okay, I got to reward myself with just like, I'm just going to do like 10 minutes of D2 Mighty Ducks. Like, I just want to see the first little intro part and see, is it as good as I remember? Am I going to enjoy it? And so I sat down and like, I, you know, I was between movies. I checked in with my wife and I was like, hey, I'm just going to watch a couple minutes of this movie. I just want to see how it holds up from the 90s and then I'll finish it another day. Um, And I sat down and I watched the entire movie. Oh my God. (laughs) And it was late. It was late at night. And so I, I emerged an hour and a half later and my wife was still up and she's like, what happened? You were going to bed like an hour and a half ago. And I was like, uh, Mighty Ducks 2 happened. Is I I don't know. I, I watched the whole thing. It was really, really good. <laughs> I, don't, so yes, I don't blame you. I would absolutely watch this again. I really enjoyed it. I had fun with it. Um, if you guys want to watch along with us, what we have coming up next, we have Swiss Family Robinson, which the movie's not great, but historically it's interesting. So we're going to definitely try to touch on that piece of it when we talk about it next week. Um, we have Jungle to Jungle from 1997 on 101 Dalmatians from 1961. We're going to do Tomorrowland from 2015, The Absent-Minded Professor from 1961, and then Flubber from 1997. So a lot of variety coming up. Um, don't forget, we're part of a network. We have podcasts, we have streamers, we have the Geekery blog, all that and more at geek2geekmedia.com or go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe to get it sent right to you, which brings us to Weekly Geekery. What'd you do this week, Katie? Um, well, I learned how to change a flat tire while changing a flat tire. <laughs> That is impressive. I heard this story, but you should tell the listeners because I was proud of you. Um, So I went to, we got a brand new office, right? For the company I work for, we have a brand new office. It's super swanky and great. It's too big for the amount of people in our company. <laughs> um, It was like a ghost town when I went there. We were all sitting on the same side, but you could sit on the opposite side of the building and like never see another person. Interesting. Yeah. It's a little ridiculous. Like, do you? Do 60 people need 26,000 square feet? No. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That's, that's a lot, right? It's so big. <laughs> yep. Um, but anyways, after I left from work, I had a flat tire, which sucked in the parking structure. And I was like, thank God one of my friends, um, my friend and coworker, she parked on the same level as me. And so she stopped and I was like, girl, do you think I have a flat tire? <laughs> so we we're like standing there staring at it and we're like, yeah, that's probably a flat tire. <laughs> Yep. So like any good millennial, I called my dad and was like, that's correct. That's that's the right move right there. Yeah. I called my dad and I was like, dad, I sent you a photo. Is this flat tire? (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, um, I don't have AAA. I should get AAA, (laughs) to be honest. Um, So Jess and I were like, you know what? Let's just change it ourselves. It'll be fine. And like we were trying to figure out where to put the jack because we didn't know for sure. And we put it in the wrong spot first. And I was like, hold on. Wait a second. Busted out the owner's manual for the book for the car. Right. 
because yeah. that's going to have instructions in it. And then it showed us like a picture of where to actually put the jack. Diagrams. Yes. So um, first we had to like, <laughs> I was like trying to remember everything that my dad had taught me. He was like, you should know how to change a tire. And I'm like, okay. Um, so after a whole lot of effort of trying to loosen the lug nuts on the car, which is very difficult, by the way. <laughs> Yeah. It's so hard because they use a like a compressed air gun or whatever to like tighten yeah. them. So trying to do it by hand is really hard. Like sometimes you have to like actually stand on it to get it to turn. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. So Jess and I collectively were able to change the tire on the car, right? However, like I mean, I did most of the work while Jess was recording a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> okay um so i can't wait to see that actual tiktok but we successfully changed the tire and i called my dad and he was like did you do this and i was like nope didn't do that so in order to re-tighten the lug nuts so i wouldn't die going home was to stand on it so that it would tighten oh like enough um yeah you don't want to die going home no and it was also terrifying because um, thank God there was like a lot of traffic, but also driving on the freeway for like 40 miles or so, only being able to go 50 when everyone around you is like getting mad and trying to go like 90. It's really hard <laughs> and terrifying. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I was on my dad with on the phone with my dad for like a good portion of that. I was like, dad, just talk to me. And I was like, everybody's going really fast. <laughs> I'm well, I'm glad that you got it fixed and you changed it yourself. That's awesome. Yes. So now I have that as like a thing that I know how to do now, which is change my tire. Um, I had to buy a new tire, though, which I'm not real excited about. Yeah, no one ever is. No. $150. Sometimes you just have to do it. Yeah, I bought yeah. it. So I've got like one fancy new, like spanking new tire on my car and three not excellent, not brand new tires. But anyways, um, today Spotify releases things. So you can figure out like who your top um, like band you listen to is. And I didn't need Spotify to call me out for <laughs> what I've been listening to at all. It's K-pop, right? Yeah. It turns out that I am in the top 2% of fans of BTS. Wow. Because I'm actually, no, hang on. Yeah. I'm like legitimately impressed. Like, I know you like K-pop. We yes. talk about it most weeks. You're in the top 2% of BTS fans? Yes. So let's put this in perspective. Okay. Okay. The first time I listened to a BTS song was July 30th, 2018. Okay. That's not that long ago. No. And 14% of what I listen to on Spotify is BTS. Wow. Okay. It gets worse as we go along. <laughs> okay. Um, I need to know more. So my top three songs are Euphoria, Serendipity, and Fake Love. Not surprising because Euphoria was my number one song for 2019 and 2020. It's like my favorite BTS song. Okay. Want to guess how many times I've actually listened to that song? <laughs> Lots? Two, thousands? 286. Okay. Times. Not thousands. Then. Not thousands. Now... This grace gracefully told me how many hours I've spent listening to BTS. Yeah. Which is, as of today, so from nearly, what is it, three years, because it's not quite yeah, three it's about years. three years. So almost three years. In that time frame, I have listened to BTS 517 hours and 25 minutes, which is equivalent to about three weeks. <laughs> Sweet. I love it. Yeah. And I'm in the top 2% of BTS fans. There are people who are in the top 1%, which was like 
Hot damn. <laughs> so I have to ask, what would you have to do to get to the 1%? Because you're so close. Like, if you were at the 3%, I wouldn't even ask, right? Because it's like, okay, cool. But when you're so close, you're within striking distance of 1%. I really want you to get there. What would it take, Katie? It, it's probably having to like stream them more because there was times where I was listening to only BTS for days at a time. So like during my entire commute to and from work, BTS. Okay. At work, BTS. So I was listening to BTS like anywhere from like like about eight hours a day <laughs> at some point. I'm pretty sure that's how Euphoria ended up becoming my number one song for two years because I would start the same playlist over again and it, that was always the first song. Okay, that's fair. Um, but I think over time I've been listening to like other groups so I don't listen to BTS as much but I always go back to them when I can't decide what I want to listen to. So I would have to like listen to nothing but them probably for like a month maybe. I don't know how far away I am from like the top one person. <laughs> sure um, cool well that's that's fun though i love the stats around it yeah and then i saw black widow in the theater for the very first like i went to the theater for the first time since last year yeah and saw black widow it was an interesting experience being in the theater also forgot how loud it is being in a theater like my god right like the movie started and beck and i were like my god it's so loud <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it was really good. It was nice being like back in the movie theater. There was only like maybe 10 people in the theater we were in. So it wasn't filled at all. And we went for like a nighttime show on, on a Wednesday or a Thursday, I think Wednesday last week and tickets were also cheaper. Interesting. I think they are just to like entice people to come back because weren't movie tickets like up in like the $15 range before quarantine. It's super regional, so my experience would not be the same okay, as yours. Okay, true. Um, yeah. I think tickets were that expensive. They're now like 12 bucks. Sure, they probably just want to get people back in theaters, like you said. Yeah, and it was worth it, like going to see the movie there. We went to a dine-in theater, so we actually got to eat food while we watched the movie. Like I had a cheeseburger or cool. something. Nice. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I did, which seems like a lot. Okay. No, it's a lot. I... um. I did. I was just kind of like hanging out with my kids. Um, I we played this game called The Quiet Year, and it's you know I've dabbled with like tabletop role playing games in the past. Um, this is one of them. But the thing that I liked about this, as we were trying it out, is that like it has a beginning, middle, and end, and um, it prompts you along the way, and it's like uh, cooperative world building as you go along. So there's no, like a lot of games, especially like a Dungeons and Dragons, right? You have somebody who's like the, the DM, if it's D and D or like the game master, like the GM, if it's any other system out there. And, um, that person's kind of facilitating the game and then everybody else are the players and the quiet year structured in a way where like everybody's kind of always the players and like the the deck that you're interacting with you're getting prompts from and that's kind of like leading you along and so the quiet year is this game where you start with like a blank map and um you draw cards off a deck and you you build them in a certain order so there's like a deck for each season so you shuffle up each season but then the seasons go in order right so the game generally knows how it's going to flow season to season and then um in winter there's one card that ends the game and you don't know when you're going to draw it so you could draw it on the first turn of winter or like you could draw it at the very bottom of the deck so it's kind of a mystery for when the game is going to end and you're telling the story of like 
um, one kind one community over the course of a year but you can abstract it out right like you can play this game as like um, a fantasy setting like you would kind of think is stereotypical you could put it in a historical setting like this could be a sci-fi space fantasy like you know a sci-fi setting um, it could be whatever and it works for all of them because the prompts are generic enough and so I've been dabbling with this with my kids and we were having a lot of fun with it. Just like doing world building and um, a lot of it are like prompts that like tell you to draw on the map too. So you're drawing on just like a blank piece of paper. It doesn't have to look good, right? It's not going to look like a professional map, but you're adding things, you're interacting with it. And at the end, you have this piece of paper that you look at and it looks like a mess, right? It's like quote unquote a map, but really it's like all these little symbols and things you've drawn, but like because you were there each step of the way, you look at it and it's like your whole story is just kind of like visualized for you. So that's been super fun. We played that a couple times and I really like it. It's probably one of my favorite like tabletop uh, RPG things I've ever messed around with. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's really fun. So, I mean, it's out there if you guys want to buy it, but there's also, um, if you, I'm trying to remember the site, but if you just Google The Quiet Year, I'm sure it'll pop up. Um, there's a PDF version that you can pay like five bucks to get the PDF and you can play it with just a standard deck of playing cards. It tells you like the card equivalents for when you're flipping them over. Um, or if you want to actually buy the whole like, um, you know, unique cards that they print and they give you a bunch of tokens and stuff too. I think it's like 40 or 50 bucks. So um, both are good. But yeah, I, I like that a lot. It was a lot of fun with my kids. That's really awesome. Yeah. That's probably it for this week. You guys can find us all over the internet. Our email address is DisneyForeverPodcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at DisneyEverPod. Uh, and you can talk to us in real time by joining our Slack workspace or our Discord server. I blog at agreenmushroom.com. You can find me at GRN Mushroom. That's Green Mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Geek to Geek podcast with BJ Keaton. And you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram by searching the handle at Lady Catherine P. I'm also the co-host of two other podcasts with my best friend, Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, and you can't stop me loving K-pop. This has been Disney Forever with Katie and Void. We'll be back next week as long as Disney keeps making content. That can't be forever, right? Well, I mean, they do have a Mighty Ducks TV show that has some of the original characters in it. (laughs) 